Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. Good morning, everyone. Really is good to see you. Always great to be here in Narawa here. And uh, delighted that uh, you're here. So, yep, we are starting a new series this morning. And it's entitled Above Me, Christ Complete. And the reason is, is we're going to look at different facets of who Jesus says he is. And not only who he says he is, but what he has to offer us, what he has to give, what in a sense makes up this awesome Christ that we serve. And so if you look, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John. And so... That's the title of the message, but in essence, it's going to be about the the seven great I am's that we find in Scripture. And it's very interesting when you look at the Gospel of John, you'll notice that he always dealt, seemingly always dealt in sevens. Have you ever seen that? In the Gospel of John, there are seven recorded miracles. You'll see that there are seven face-to-face encounters with Jesus, people who had radical encounters with him on seven occasions. And then we see these seven I am's, the self-descriptions of who Jesus is that comes through. And so this morning, we're going to be dealing with the first one, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now, children, I want you to look at me for a moment. Look up from your coloring uh, papers and, and puzzles. What is this I've got in my hand? Bread. Now, what if I were to say to you, I am this bread, and I need you to eat me? How would that sound? A little scary, hey? A little different. Well, in many ways, as we look at the scriptures, we're going to see that's what Jesus told the people. Now, for us to understand it and what he meant by it, we need to listen carefully to what he's saying. And so this morning, I'm going to just read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to make some comments, and then we're going to lead into communion as we celebrate Jesus, who is the bread of life. And this bread symbolizes in some way who Jesus is. And so, children, I'm going to ask you to help me this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture. And parents, I trust you'll be able to lean in and hear what God is saying to you. But together, we'll all receive what God has for us. Now, I know sometimes when we have our kids in, like we do this morning, it's once a month. And part of the reason is, is training them up to be part of the ministry, be part of the service, be part of what God's doing in our togetherness. Yes, we understand that it's great for them to have their program program that is maybe more suited towards them, where they're able to, to hear truth at a level that they can understand. But for this season we're in as a church, and, and again, it's, it's not written in concrete, but for one, one Sunday a month, we want to keep the kids in as part of their understanding that church is not just for their mums and dads. Church is for them as well. In the singing, in the preaching of the word, in ministry, and everything that happens. All right. So we're going to work together. If for whatever reason your kid does go a little ballistic, to say it nicely, it's something like that. Um, No, not quite. You're welcome just to take them out, quieten them down, 
just so everyone else doesn't end up missing what God is wanting to say this morning. All right, kids, we love having you in here. And so we want you to enjoy the time as much as we enjoying the time. All right, good deal. Okay, so let's get into it. If you've got your Bibles, it's not going to come up behind me because there's just too much scripture. But uh, we're going to read from John chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up from verse 25. I would have loved to have read it from verse 1, but just for the sake of time and realizing the kids are in, we want to get through this fairly quickly, okay? So we're going to read from verse 25. Now it says, when they, that's the people, the crowd, when they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get you? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, You're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now, to understand that, you've got to go back a few verses to see how Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 families. Children, how many people do you think 5,000 families would be on average? Jesse, 5,000 families, how many people would that be? A small island of people, yeah, not maybe a few less than in New Zealand, but you think of mums and dads, kids, how many kids did they have? Quite a few maybe. What about, should we say 20,000 people? 10,000, Jesse says. We don't know exactly, but 5,000 families, how did Jesus feed them? Five of these and Two fishes, eh? Five loaves and two fishes. But here's the thing. These people wanted what following Jesus meant. They wanted more from Jesus and not more of Jesus. In other words, they wanted what following Jesus gave them. Gave them food, gave them provision, gave them excitement, gave them miracles. They loved that. And they were following Jesus to see what they could get out of Jesus. In other words, let me say it again. They wanted more of Jesus than they wanted of Jesus. But here's the thing. That's probably true of many people, hey? Well, Jesus, if I follow you, well, what's in it for me? If I follow you, what will I get out of it? What freebies will be on offer? How is it that I'm going to be blessed if I follow you? Well, let me just remind you this morning that wanting more of Jesus will cost you. And my question to you is, are you willing to pay the price of following Jesus, of wanting more of Jesus? Because if it's more of Jesus, let me tell you, it's got to be less of me. And it's not only how much of Jesus we have, but maybe more importantly is how much of us does he have? And these people weren't seeing that. They were running after Jesus for what they could get from Jesus. And this is what he says here now, verse 27. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. A reminder again that eternal life isn't achieved as much as it's received by faith in Christ. And he goes on and he says, for on him, that's him, Jesus, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works, notice they're plural, the works that God requires. 
Now, amazingly, they missed the point about eternal life. That eternal life is God's gift through Christ. It's not something that they could do or something they could achieve or something they could work for. And Jesus answers wonderfully when he says the work. Notice singular. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And let me remind you again, it's not about doing as much as it's about believing. It's about faith, not works. And yes, we may be saved to do works, but we're never saved by works. And this is what Jesus is saying. Verse 30, you still with me? We reading? Are you reading as well? You got your Bibles there? Great. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. In other words, they're saying, if Moses could do this for us, what can you do? Show us what you can do. Outdo Moses. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven, which is far superior Jesus is saying to the manna provided in Moses' day, which of course only met their physical needs and only for one day. For the bread of God is he, Jesus speaking of himself, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so Jesus is saying he alone is the true and the genuine source of life and nourishment. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. In other words, give us what we need to live happily, to live satisfied, which let's face it is exactly what our consumeristic and materialistic culture would say today. Jesus, give us what we need. This is what I need. If you give this, I'll follow you. Nothing's changed. eh? Then Jesus declared, and here's the key verse, I am the bread of life. Some translations say, I'm the, lead, the, the, the bread that is living. Others speak of it as the bread that gives life. I want to tell you it's both. In that this bread, the bread of life is living and he gives life. Jesus. And so the claim that Jesus was making is that he is the only permanent solution to our desire for life. Only he. Now let's talk a little bit about what Jesus meant by that. Well, I think we need to understand that in Jesus' day, bread was important. It wasn't just important, though. It was essential. It was essential to who they are, what they ate. Everything they ate was built around bread. Why? Because bread was life. It wasn't tacked onto a meal. It wasn't seen as an optional extra to the meal. It was the very essence of the meal, bread. It was the main event. Now, let me say this is pretty hard to understand. Hey, in our modern kind of culture of gluten-free diets and uh, the mindset that carbs are, are of the devil, hey? if you want to lose weight, What's the first thing you set aside? 
bread. And even if we do enjoy bread, then again, it's got to be to our exact tastes, to the texture, to the specifications that we want. And you just have to look at the supermarket and you'll see that there are so many options when it comes to bread. I went on the countdown uh, website to have a look at some of the different types of bread. And my word, I didn't know that so much, so many options are available to us. There is white bread. There is multigrain bread. There is honey grain bread. There is wheat meal. There is whole meal. There is soya and linseed bread. There is low carb bread. There is rye bread. There is sourdough bread. There is tiger bread. Just to mention a few. The options are endless. But friends, can I say to you this morning, just like we can choose a type of bread, you know what? We can also choose a type of Jesus. A Jesus of our making. A Jesus of our liking. Or what we can do is we can choose one characteristic of Jesus over another. One that suits us. So I'll take his grace, but I'm not interested about his truth. Or his kindness is awesome, but I don't like his sternness. Or yes, I'll enjoy and accept his love, but not his anger. Or I'll receive his mercy, but not his discipline. No, the truth is Jesus comes as a package. You cannot pick and choose the parts of Jesus you like or that are palatable for you, or preferable to you. You know, we went to a restaurant recently, and we ordered a garlic loaf. But not as the main meal, but as a starter, as an appetizer. And so it wasn't the essential part of the meal, by any means. It was an optional extra. The truth is we didn't need it, but it was quite nice to have, to kind of pick on and to enjoy before the main meal. Well, you know what? Sometimes we can approach Jesus just like that, as an appetizer, while we get on with the main course of life. That we add him onto our lives rather than him being our lives. That we adopt a take it or leave it attitude when it comes to Jesus. And to what, he's, what, he, what he says in his word. Or when it comes to prayer. Or the church. Or giving. Or whatever it may be. And just like that garlic bread. You know we can pick at Jesus. A bit of this and a bit of that. Before the main course of our lives be it our careers, our plans, our futures, our desires, whatever it may be. But Jesus is saying, I'm not the appetizer before the main meal. I'm not the flavor of the month. I'm not the starter to your life. No, I'm the essence of your life. I'm the one who is essential to your life. I am the bread of life. I don't just sustain you for a moment. I don't just feed you for a day. I don't just satisfy. I give life. 
Let's keep reading. Doing all right? We're up to verse 35. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, of course, he wasn't talking about physical hunger and thirst. He's talking about something much, much deeper. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Isn't that a wonderful that God initiates salvation and then we respond? And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Which tells me the Father turns no one away, no matter what. We heard that this morning. In the call to worship and the testimony we heard. But then it's also the assurance that Jesus will keep and he will preserve those who come to him. And he says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. And here's the wonderful thing. The true believer will persevere because of Christ's hold on them. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Which again tells me that no true believer will ever lose their salvation. Emphasis on true believer. Not an emotional believer. Not one who just picks a bit of Jesus, picks a little bit of what the Jesus they want or like. No, the true believer who denies themselves, picks up their cross and follows him with everything they have. Verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because they didn't like this. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, unless the father gives them the desire to do so. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from me comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Why? Because it was temporary. It couldn't give or sustain life, spiritual life. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. In other words, he's saying the life I give is eternal. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The living bread that satisfies the spiritual hunger in every person. Whoever eats this bread, whoever eats Jesus, whoever eats me, that's what he's saying. Whoever appropriates Jesus as their sustenance, will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world, which of course he did at Calvary. Verse 52, we're coming to the end of the passage. 
Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now you think about that. If you were sitting listening to Jesus talking about eating him, the bread of life, you might too have had a response like this. But Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. (laughs) And so to eat Jesus' flesh and to drink his blood, however barbaric that may sound, is in essence to take on the nature and the person of Jesus. That's what he was saying here. It's more than just believing in him. It's more than just even trusting him. It's becoming one with him. It's being united with him. It's taking on his character, his nature, and the essence of who he is. It's allowing his life to become your life. And he, and he keeps on this point. Listen, yeah, he goes on, he says, whoever eats my flesh. He didn't just drop, drop it there or throw a, a kind of a truth bomb. He kept reiterating this truth. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Third time now, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Which again speaks of deep connection, intimacy. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Will truly live. Will have a reason to live because of me. And it's only in Christ, friends, that we, tro- that we find the true meaning of life. Many look for it in so many different places. But it's only found in Christ. And the true meaning of life is to know Christ and to make him known. And he ends this discourse with saying, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate the bread, ate the manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread, doesn't just pick at the bread, doesn't just nibble on the bread. But whoever feeds, whoever feasts on this bread, whoever is nourished by this bread will live forever. That's what Jesus is saying. And let me conclude this discourse that Jesus gives by saying that if we're going to feed on Jesus, then we cannot just know about Jesus. We cannot just observe from a, a Jesus from a distance. And somehow think that that will satisfy us or sustain us spiritually. Because you know what? That's what religion is. eh? It's watching Jesus from a distance. To feed on Jesus means he needs to become a part of you. Where he's invited and he's involved and he's included in every part, every detail, every aspect of your life. That's what Jesus is saying. And not to involve him is not to be spiritually sustained. Feeding on Jesus is about drawing from Jesus. 
It's about spending time with Jesus. It's about fellowshipping with Jesus. It's about growing in Jesus. It's about being strengthened by Jesus. And to stop feeding on Jesus is to become spiritually malnourished and potentially to wither and die. We're going to break communion. We're going to have communion. We're going to break bread. But maybe there's a response that's required this morning from what Jesus said. I've just read what he said. Let me ask you this morning, are you looking for a handout from Jesus as a supernatural bread supplier? Or are you wanting Jesus, the bread of life? Because there's a big difference between wanting something from Jesus as opposed to wanting more of Jesus. Do you follow Jesus for what you can get? If you have to be ruthlessly honest of how he can bless you, what he can do for you? Or are you following him for who he is and what he wants from you and requires of you? Let me ask you, how much of Jesus do you have? Maybe more importantly, how much of you does Jesus have? Maybe there's some of you sitting here this morning that you'd have to be honest and say, actually, he has none of me. Because I haven't submitted and surrendered my life to him. I've given him nothing. Well, this morning, you can change that. By taking hold of what Jesus offers you today. Himself, the bread of life, who is your salvation, who gives you the promise of eternal life. If you'll believe in him, accept him, live for him. Maybe he has some of you this morning, just a part of you, a little bit of you. Well, actually he's saying, I want more from you, more of you. Maybe you would say, well, actually I've given a lot to Jesus. Awesome. Keep giving. We really would truly become not just less of me and more of him, but none of me and everything of him. That my life is for him, for his honor, for his glory, for his service, for whatever he wants to do in my life, with my life, through my life. That we would, like, we would say like Isaiah, here am I, Lord. Use me, send me, do with me as you please, because I belong to you. It's no longer I live, no longer Mark lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Now I want to demonstrate that. I don't want that just to be a mantra of mine or because scripture, Paul says that in Galatians. But is that true for you? Is it true for me? It's no longer Mark that lives, no longer Angus that lives, but it's Christ who lives in Angus, in Mark, in you to do his will and fulfill his purposes. As we take communion now, I want you to ponder on that. Maybe it's an opportunity, or let me not say maybe, it is an opportunity for you to do business with God. For you to appropriate Jesus this morning. Maybe to be the savior of your life for the first time. Or to become more Lord of your life. The one who is in, is in control, who is in the driver's seat of your life. And so when we partake in communion with Jesus, because that's what it's about, 
And as we take this bread, we're going to pass this bread around. Grab a, grab a piece. Because as we take the bread, we're taking in essence Christ's body, symbolizing Christ's body, the bread of life. And as we drink the grape juice, we, we're taking the blood of Christ. Just as Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, to be accurate, he wasn't referencing communion per se. He was referencing himself. But the symbolism is very much there. And of course, as we do this this morning, we're both celebrating and remembering the death and the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I on the cross. But the other wonderful thing about communion and celebrating what we're doing this morning is we take the bread and the wine it definitely symbolizes spiritual nourishment. That as we feed, as we eat on Jesus, as we remember, so we are being nourished by his life. It also demonstrates unity amongst God's people. That we do this together. And then it also provides an opportunity to reaffirm our faith and our commitment to the Lord Jesus. Having communion with Jesus covers all of those things and so much more. Which, of course, then means that it's only for believers. Eh? You cannot reaffirm your faith in Christ if you do not have a living faith in him. And so communion is for God's people. For those who believe and who have put their trust in Jesus. And if you haven't done that this morning, you can pray a simple prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you accept me and that you receive me just as I am. I thank you that I cannot ever work for this. I'll never deserve it. I'll never have what, I can never do enough good things to receive your salvation, your forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. And that's why you offer it as a free gift. If anyone would bow their heart, bow their knee, and proclaim that Jesus is the Lord, is the Christ, the Bible says you'll be saved. You come into a right relationship with him. And when that happens, you celebrate communion with God's people, and you partake in the, in the bread and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.